But if we think of the current environment, my call to courage might be about, you know, career transition, for instance. So if my call to courage is, you know, I am going to transition my career, I can then look at braving and think about how do I build trust with myself to be able to do that. I'm Renata Bernardi, a career coach and the host of the Job Hunting Podcast. The goal of this podcast is to support and educate you with the steps you need to take to find great jobs, change and advance your career with confidence and less stress. So make sure you subscribe and follow and welcome aboard. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Job Hunting Podcast. In this episode, we are interviewing Dina Pozo. Now, I've wanted to have Dina as a guest of the podcast ever since COVID-19 started because Dina's research and expertise is courage. And last year, she hosted the Courage Conference here in Melbourne, and I attended, and that's how we met. I met many of her clients. They were very uh, appreciative and fond of the work that she does for them. She works with large corporations here in Melbourne. And I was very excited then when she accepted the invitation to be a guest of the podcast. We discussed courage in the context of job hunting and also workplace, what courage looks like in the workplace and what lack of courage looks like in the workplace. So I think it's a very important topic as you are going through the grieving process of maybe having lost your job or if you're making plans for your future employment to make courage in the workplace something to aim for in the future. Now, we have been focusing a lot on COVID-19 topics um, at this time, of course, for obvious reasons. There are many of us that will be out of job in 2020 and looking for work in the months ahead. So if you go to my website and you look on the right-hand side of the uh, website, you can search by topic. And one of the topics is now COVID series. And if you click on that, you will find not only the job hunting podcasts that have been done specifically for this time of our, you know, lives, but also the um, live coaching sessions that I do. So I do, um, I launch a weekly episode of the Job Hunting Podcast every Tuesdays. It used to be Thursdays, I moved it to Tuesdays. And every Thursday now I have a live coaching session, which I film live on Facebook and Instagram. I record it and then it's available on my website as well. And I tend to focus on topics that are, you know, important at this point in time, questions that I've been asked that I think are relevant for more than one person. And I address them at these live coaching sessions on Facebook and Instagram. And they are there archived for you to have a look as well. This podcast is available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and also on my website. So if you want to follow and subscribe. I will be super happy to have you on board every week and more so if you decide to subscribe to my newsletter because if you do so I will send you the podcast every week, the recording of the live coaching every week and also a curated list of articles to help you with your career plans. So consider subscribing to the newsletter. I think it's a great thing for you to do for your career and it keeps us both um, connected more so. So 
Enjoy this episode with Gina Pozo. I hope you find it helpful. Leave me comments, send me an email. I'd love to hear from you. If you're interested in participating, sending ideas uh, for future topics, I'm all ears. Be sure to um, keep connected. Bye for now. So how, how are you doing during COVID? What's your day like? Um, my work day is actually quite full. Um, it's really interesting. To begin with, uh, all the work was taken out of my diary. And what I mean by that, all the work that I had planned was stopped and understandably so. But what's probably happened in the last uh, three weeks or so, um, clients are now reconnecting and saying, okay, we actually want to try things, you know, virtually. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, look, my typical day is we walk the dogs every single morning. We're now walking them for about an hour and a half in the morning, get started on some work, have a little break, take the dogs for another walk, come back, do more work. So it's a fairly full day. And it's actually becoming really interesting because, as I said, more clients are wanting virtual connections and virtual sessions. Um, I'm spending a lot of time working in the space of well-being and how do we remain well at this time. Okay. And are these sessions for employers? So are they uh, group sessions? Yeah, group sessions. Right. Um, some of them have been more successful than others. I see. Um, technology is interesting. Okay. So you mean in terms of technology or in terms of the culture? Uh, the technology. And okay. clearly the technology impacts everything else. Just, right. Yeah, the, the technology um, provides its challenges. Yes, okay. And, you know, I'd love for you to describe to everybody the work that you do because you have a finger in a few pies and I'd rather you explain than me try to. Oh, thank you, Renata. Um, probably the easiest way to give you a broad overview. Um, I work in the space of leadership and teams development uh, and also executive coaching. So I work with organisations, whether they're large, small, medium organisations, whether they're corporate or not-for-profit. And my purpose, I'm really clear on what my purpose is, which has been very helpful, my purpose is to open doors. And, and what I mean by that is um, sometimes we have firmly and intentionally shut some doors. Sometimes we've wandered past doors and not even noticed them. And clearly there'll be doors in our future. So in my practice, whether it's coaching or in group facilitation, I encourage people to courageously open their doors and to explore what's on the other side. Um, and whether they're doors of the past, current or future, we, don't, we may not um, like everything we always find, but it's just about at least exploring it and honouring it. We yes. can't change our past but we can learn from it. And what led you to finding that purpose and focusing on it? Okay. Uh, it must be now uh, six or seven years ago, I was um, at a little bit of a crossroads in terms of what next. I've been in my own business, in my own practice for 15 years. And um, at that time, six or seven years ago, I was just thinking, what do I do now? You know, where do I go? And so I actually headed over um, to the US to participate in a program um, which was called Authentic Leadership. And the whole purpose of the program was to distill your own purpose. 
and then as a result of distilling your own purpose to actually operationalize it so actually come up with action plans to put into place and that's where it became really crystal clear what i wanted to do and where i wanted to focus okay but you've been doing um your own consultancy for quite some time yes. were you able to you know i'm as a consultant um and a business owner myself i'm i'm curious if were you able to transition your clients and your work into this new purpose were you able to just remain with that clientele or did you have to move into a different um area of operations yeah consultancy? Um, really good question i would say 90% of my clients came with me at the time mm -hmm. because it was about repositioning with them what my passion was and it was about repositioning with them what would bring me energy which then allowed me to be the best possible version of myself for them. Yeah. And one of the things I pride myself on, Renata, is um, keeping in touch and keeping in touch purposefully, not just for the sake of, hi, how are you? Um, and so I think that's one of my strengths. And so my clients at the time knew me, trusted me. Um, I, was a, I was part of their teams mm -hmm. internally. So I'd say probably 90% of my clients came with me at the time mm -hmm. and it was just about repositioning. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because that's a very important topic of my podcast and life coaching is that idea of keeping in touch. And I have always been what I, I call myself a calling street girl, oh. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, a calling street for those who are listening from overseas or outside of Melbourne is the main business hub of, of Melbourne, uh, CBG, the, 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 where all of the, you know, big buildings are and I'm usually walking up and down Calling Street to go to meetings. We have to translate that virtually now, don't we? So I've pulled out my online course and I'm redoing some of the modules to do to translate that networking and that um, the importance of remaining top of mind with um, your network virtually and how to do so, how to translate leadership in Zoom meetings yeah. and how to position yourself. There's a lot out there about how to present on Zoom, but it's more than that. It's the narrative is how to, it's a different type of body language and a different type of engagement. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. Mm. Okay. But the way that we met was uh, really lovely because it was a conference that you organized here in Melbourne focused on courage. Uh, was it courage to lead? Courage. It was, uh, it, we just called it courage conference. It was the first yes. courage conference in Australia. So we thought we'd keep it simple. Yes. And I thought that that would be a great topic for us to unpack um, for the listeners of this podcast who are job seekers, who are in between jobs, who are maybe currently have a job, but are very interested in um, their careers and in um, developing and advancing in their careers. So they could be looking at promotions, they could be starting to position themselves for future um, job hunting and taking that leap into it requires courage. I also, as a coach that works with um, executives that are trying to come out of organizations or are already out of organizations, I have dealt with 
issues of courage you know you mentioned and i want you to unpack things like moral moral courage and how to deal with um, in work environments that have a lack of courage and how does that translate so that people can um listening to your examples and stories kind of go ah that's what it that's why it was so hard for me yeah, yeah. so why don't you start how, why don't we start by defining courage that would be great okay a really big question because there are many many definitions of courage mm. and our definitions of courage have evolved over time and i'm talking about definitions of courage go way back to the ancient Greek philosophers. Our definitions of courage have evolved over time as society has valued different aspects of courage and as society's values have also changed. So there are still many definitions of courage out there and we can look at, you know, courage uh, includes, and we can go into detail about this if you would like, it includes physical courage, it includes vital courage, it includes moral courage that you mentioned. Um, psychologists such as Chris Peterson and Marty Seligman talk about courage as a virtue under which four different strengths sit. Um, and then we've got our definition of courage, which is based on my study and based on a review of the literature, as well as my own experience in organisations. And um, this is terrible, but I can't give you the whole thing verbatim. That's okay. I, I've, I've read your definition of courage and I will add it to the episode show notes. Right. And I'll make sure that when we promote the podcast, it's there's a quote. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but, but maybe, you know, just do your best. I'm sure you can manage. <laughs> I, can, uh, I can give you the key words. And, and the reason, so there's one key word in particular, which I'll come back to, but key words in our definition of workplace courage um, are intentional, it's a moral or a constructive act, and there's a degree of risk either to the individual, to the team, to the organisation, um, and it's to either avert or resolve a workplace issue. Mm -hmm. Now, the word that is really, really important for me is the intentional piece. Because we, courage is this beautiful strength that sits in the middle of a continuum. And at this end of the continuum, it's quite a way away, we have cowardice. And at this end of the continuum, we have recklessness. So we have intentionally put the word intentional in our definition because that means that you have stopped and thought about the act that you're about to embark on. And if you stop and think about it and reflect on it, and it might be a couple of minutes, it might be a day, whatever the case is, but if you've stopped and reflected, you're more likely to sit in courage rather than tip into cowardice or recklessness. And there are three questions that we encourage you to reflect on. And if I give you an example, and perhaps the example is about applying for a new role in the current environment. So the first question I would ask you to consider is how worthwhile is that action? And we, we also suggest a, a quantitative scale from one to five where one is not at all worthwhile and five is extremely worthwhile. So how worthwhile is it? And that question should conjure up a number of different reflection questions for you depending on the situation. So if I think of applying for a new role in the current environment, how worthwhile is it? Well. Okay, COVID-19, yes, 
that's out of my control. But in the current environment, I may be unhappy in my current organisation. I might be uh, frustrated by a lack of autonomy in the work from home situation, whatever it might be. So a whole heap of other questions might come up that help me answer the worthwhile piece. The second question we'd like you to reflect upon is how risky is it to apply for that role? Again, not at all risky to very risky and you'd consider that. And then based on those two deliberations, the third question we ask you to consider is what action will you take? So if I stop and think of those three things, it's, it's more likely to keep me in courage, as I said, rather than tip me over here or here. The thing I need to be really clear about, sometimes it takes courage to do nothing, to not act. Mm. Um, and the other thing I really need to be clear about is what I may need courage for, you may not, and vice versa. So it's a very subjective thing. Yes, no, these are all very good points, especially in the workplace, you know, and in the way that some people may deal with news of, let's say, restructures and redundancies with um, the news of um, going under administration or having to lock down. And, you know, some, some people may, um, we talk a lot about anxiety and stress, um, and we use those words um, maybe because it's very hard for us to kind of go deeper into understanding what's happening. But um, I think courage is a, a great way of thinking about it, especially when we think about decisions that the leaders are having to take. Yes. And then, of course, uh, there is that input as policy levers and big decisions, and then the output, um, the courage from the people that are on the receiving end of yeah. those decisions, those yeah. big decisions, and then what they do about it and how they, they react. Uh, in, in my um, experience working with um, people that are in career transition, what I have found, however, is that there is a big issue of inertia. People have dreamed and romanticized about changing careers for decades <laughs> and they haven't um, because uh, they probably, you know, without even thinking much, they, they look at that scale of the risk and, you know, the, the, the benefits and the costs of moving. And they think, oh, well, you know, life is okay here. And I I'm, don't know if I am courageous or brave enough to actually take this leap and change my career or change my life. What COVID has done now is just taking you out of that comfort zone to the point where it's, you have to be brave. How, how would you then, um, what would you say to people that have not chosen to be brave? I mean, you mentioned intentional, right? Yeah. But now yeah, we all are. How, how do we unpack this? Um, one of the things that we encourage you to do, and it's really curious that courage is part of the word encourage, um, is to reflect on when you've been courageous in the past. And any time I make that statement, people go, oh, but I've, I've never been courageous. 
What's really curious, we've done a number of interviews over the last two years and everyone I've interviewed has exactly said that, oh, I've never been courageous. And then we stop and we unpack. And I just ask questions about, well, when has there been a risk in the past? When have you felt vulnerable in the past? What did you do? When were you proud of something you did in the past? And what we find when we unpack those kind of questions, and I will sit and listen, as, as we do, and I will say, wow, there's courage. And people go, oh, oh. And they go, you're right. So it, if we stop and think and unpack the past, we can see when we've been courageous in the past, we can see what we did, how we did it, how we felt, who enabled us, all those things. And then effectively what we're doing is we're collecting metadata on ourselves to then be able to apply in future when we need to be courageous again. Um, and I'll use an example. Um, Paul Kennedy is a journalist on the ABC and I interviewed him, oh, it must be two years ago now, I think. And um, I was just asking him about some of the stories that he's reported on and written. And, you know, he said to me, um, you know, I'm not at all courageous. And I reflected back to him some of his stories and he said, and, and this is the other thing that people say, but that's my job. It's what I do. And in unpacking that as well, I've then asked, well, why do you do that? And then it's, it's always tied to values. So again, if we can think of when our values have really risen and come to the fore and unpack those stories, we can then actually find out instances in the past where we've been courageous. Mm. So it's even with Paul when I said, there's courage. He went, oh, you're right. So it, it happens every single time. And I'm a big advocate of people being courage spotters. So when you spot courage in someone else, to call it out because that helps build our self-awareness. And, then, and, you know, and, and can you practice courage? Is, is courage something that you can practice and enhance? I mean, spotting is a great idea. Identifying it in the past is another one. Can you also... Uh, is, is it like a muscle that you can train? Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, Renata, I'm not sure if you know, I was accredited by uh, Dr. Brene Brown in her work, Dare to Lead, yes. So Brene talks about four key skills of courage. Um, one is rumbling with vulnerability. Two is living your values. Three is um, braving trust. And the fourth skill is uh, learning to rise, which is all about building your resilience. So... In understanding those skills, you can then put plans into practice to build courage and to be more courageous, okay. definitely. Okay. So how, how can you give an example of something that somebody could do if they are in between jobs and, you know, trying to boost their courage to go out there in the job market again and reconnect with networks that they have, that this person may have neglected for a decade or so. You need a little bit of courage to do that. How can you boost yourself up? Um, so there's a number of ways. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is to sit with that sense of vulnerability because if I'm thinking I haven't connected with my network for years, I may also, and I'm making assumptions here clearly, but I may also be thinking, 
oh, if I connect with them now, what are they going to think? You know, I have What reason am I going to use to connect with them now? And there's a, there's the risk. You know, what if what if they don't return my call? What if they don't respond to the email I send? What if what if what if? So there's a risk. So clearly, with that risk comes courage, and clearly with that risk, there may be that sense of vulnerability. Um, and vulnerability, put really, really simply, is that discomfort, the emotion we feel when we're thinking we're about to embark on something and there's no guarantee of outcome. So the first thing I would suggest is sit with that vulnerability and know that vulnerability is actually strength. You know, sometimes there's a few myths around vulnerability and one of them is that vulnerability is a weakness. But when you think about it, reconnecting with a network that potentially I haven't spoken to in a little while, applying for a new job, transitioning my career, um, having a conversation with my current leader to say I'm not happy in my current role, um, that's on the work front, on the personal front, you know, building a relationship with someone new, um, deciding to start a family, saying I love you first. You know, might there be discomfort? Might it even feel awkward? Yeah, absolutely. But that's not weakness, that's strength. That's actually um, showing up and being seen. That's actually saying, this is what's important to me. That's actually saying, this is okay, this isn't okay. So actually to sit with that vulnerability and know that acting on it is actually a real strength. And what we know is courage is contagious. So then someone else might go, oh, if she can do that, perhaps I can too. Yes, I, I agree with both, both things. Of course I do. I mean, there's enough research that shows that. But the idea of vulnerability in the job hunting world is such an important one. Yeah. Um, people make so many excuses not to apply for jobs because they, the excuses are all, you know, out there. But the truth is it makes you really, really vulnerable yes. when you do apply. And chances are you're not going to get it. <laughs> this is what I always tell my clients. You know, you have, this is a practice. We're going to practice, practice, practice. We're yes. going to get data and feedback and we're going to improve your game and then you're going to nail it. Yes. But you need to get into that vulnerability. And it's, it's really, really tough, especially for the type of clients that I have, which are more senior as ex and have yeah. you know, a lot of experience under their belt. It's a completely different muscle that you have to use when you're doing job hunting. And, and Renata, with that too, sometimes it's about building trust with yourself. Okay. So trust um, is one of the other skills that Renee uh, speaks about based on her research. And she's come up with the acronym BRAVING. And what I love about this acronym in terms of building trust is that it's actually made trust um, very tangible and demystified it because, you know, again, trust is this beautiful strength, but it's also a little bit mysterious. Um, if, you know, we talk about I trust this person, I don't trust that person or, or whatever we say, but what does that mean? And so uh, Brene's come up with this seven-letter acronym BRAVING and you know, there's more information on her website around it. But basically, braving stands for boundaries, reliability, accountability, the vault 
integrity, non-judgment and generosity. And in terms of building trust, you can actually choose the elements that are most important in a particular relationship. So rather than kind of thinking, I don't trust this person, well, what is it? Is it because you haven't set boundaries with each other? Is it because you don't think they're accountable? Is it because integrity is an issue, whatever it might be? And you can actually work on specifics. Now, just as you can use this acronym to build trust with other people, you can actually use the same acronym to build trust with yourself. Mm. And I'll give you a for instance. When I was in the States being accredited by Brene, you know, she took us through the acronym and um, as a facilitator I was sitting there thinking, oh, you know, she's now going to ask us to identify someone and apply it. And, and sure enough, she asked us to apply it, but she said, I want you to apply it to yourself. Mm. And I sat there, Renata, and I went, oh, <laughs> you weren't expecting that at all were you no. and yeah. it, I found it really confronting yeah also and I'll give you the short version of the story it took me a long time to do it but when I finally did it there was this amazing sense of relief mm. because um what she had us do was apply braving to our call to courage and my call to courage was about um having a more balanced work life but if we think of the current environment, my call to courage might be about, you know, career transition, for instance. So if my call to courage is, you know, I am going to transition my career, I can then look at braving and think about how do I build trust with myself to be able to do that. Mm. And it could be, and again, clearly um, I'm making this up because it would be different for different people, but it could be about holding myself to account. You know, if I've kind of said, okay, I am going to transition my career and, you know, in the next six months I am going to, with Renata's help, I'm going to apply for at least three roles out of my current sector or out of my current organisation, whatever it might be, in six months. And then it's about keeping myself to account for that. Um, you know, it could be um, the boundaries. Well, what boundaries am I going to set around that? You know, well, I'm only going to apply in this sector or I'm only going to apply for these roles and I'm not going to apply if a job comes up that I think is quasi interesting, if it's outside of this type of role, I'm not going to apply. Okay. So you can use braving to build trust with yourself to help you achieve your call to courage, whatever that call to courage might be. I wonder how courage fits into um, this idea of focusing on strengths rather than weaknesses, which always also comes from positive psychology yes. and the whole Martin Seligman thing. Because what you want is for, you know, as a career coach, what I want for my clients is for them to focus on their strengths. How would the... I, I'm just sort of, you know, I went into this sort of tangent of thinking that maybe courage is taking them away from their strengths a little bit and opening up their horizons to look at things that they would normally not consider their strengths. What do you think about that? Oh, um, good thinking. My head's kind of gone in all different directions. And I think, it, you know, while you think, I think the reason why I, I'm 
kind of uh, torn and, and, you know, this COVID situation has made us think about, you know, our paradigms and the way that we always define things and coach things a certain way. But especially if you think about um, clients that have a huge strength in working in a specific sector, that's all they've done all their lives. You know, they've worked in, you know, the airline sector, they moved from Sydney airport to Qantas to Virgin airlines to whatever, always not as pilots, but as a HR directors or operational CFOs, COOs, that's their strength. Their strength is really understanding how that industry works. And now here we are with the sector completely disappeared and they need to you know, it, it's, um, it affects not only their strengths, but also their status quo, their ability to convey a message in a way that's understood by somebody from a completely different industry. So I suppose, Renata, what's going on in my head is, um, you know, based on the work of Seligman and, and all the positive psychologists out there, is when I think of a strength in knowledge of an industry, I think of that as a a capability, a competency. So I have industry Mm -hmm. knowledge, I have knowledge of, you know, whether it's that HR director or CFO or wherever it might be. So I have competency and capability in an industry in a particular role. Um, If we think of strengths as those um, things that help us flourish, it's about for me, then, it's about using those strengths, those, and I, I'm actually picturing the graph that I use when I explain this, and that's why I'm doing this and this. Sorry, I speak with my hands. That's okay. Um, I'm thinking of um, all the strengths that we use that help us flourish, that are outside of our competencies and capabilities, and how do we engage those strengths potentially in a different sector? Mm. So if I think, for instance, um, let's say I was that person who was that HR director in the airline industry, perhaps I have the strength of uh, curiosity. So how can I use that strength of curiosity to find out about a different sector Mm -hmm. and then apply myself that way? I might have the strength of, I'm trying to think of another strength. No, I'm going to follow your lead on that because um, I think that that's a great cue for me and also for the listeners you know if they um, have done the strengths test from uh, the the happiness uh, website and they can they know what their strengths are so for me for example is love of learning is my top strength so if, if you have that strength well it has always been easier for me to transition from you know one sector to another anyway I've done that in my career and I have taken um uh in the past I I you know this is me. I'm such a dork. I get excited about applying for a role because it will teach me about an organization and a sector that I don't know. So I, I'm, you know, such a student that I take that as an assignment. Love and it. if I don't get the job, that doesn't matter because for that week that I have applied for that role, I will have learned so much about that organization. It will stay with me forever. So that's, that's, I, that's part of my coaching as well. I teach people how to be like that. But now that, in listening to you, I'm thinking I need to have need to have my clients do the strengths test, and then I can then with that result help them build their courage. 
the leap that they need to do. And know also in the Be Your Strengths, you've got the four strengths that sit under the virtue of courage. Mm. And those four strengths are authenticity and honesty, perseverance, um, zest or energy, and I've just gone blank. Oh, bravery. Bravery. Bravery, So there's those strengths that are amongst the Be Your Strengths. And we know with the Be Your Strengths that we... um, we actually have all of the strengths. We just express them to different degrees. And hence we have, you know, the top five or six strengths, which are our um, signature strengths and then the other strengths. So even wherever the strengths under courage, uh, wherever they sit in your 24, you can actually, you do demonstrate them, but just to mm. a different degree. Yes. And I the, the fact that you mentioned that the... Um um, courage is contagious is a great one yeah. because you may not have those strains up there but if people around you have them you pick it up as a cough you know it's, it's uh, courage is not a pill you take it's it's like the cough you catch it don't you yeah, and absolutely. i have seen that happen so it's yeah. really great and you can see that a lot in the workplace so i'd love for us to kind of for this uh, tail end of our conversation sure. to move away from job hunting and into workplace courage because I think a lot of people will relate to some of the examples that I've heard you talk about before. Um, I I was hoping that you would um, tell this new audience that may not have heard you before, um, talk about what courage looks like in the workplace and what the absence of courage looks like in the workplace as well. Absolutely. So, again, we need to be mindful that what I deem to be courageous and what I need courage for you may not and vice versa. But courage in the workplace looks like lots of different things. It may look like um, speaking up in a meeting. It may look like giving someone feedback. It may be um, uh, deciding that I'm going to, in the current environment, If offices start to open up again, courage may be actually saying, I'd like to continue to work from home. Um, Courage in the workplace might be actually having work-life balance. Courage might be um, bringing a new idea to the team. So, and the list goes on. We've put together a questionnaire, Renata, that has something like 35 different workplace situations that require courage. And that list is not exhaustive. You know, courage in the workplace may actually be when you see um, a group of colleagues go to have lunch together. And courage may actually be going up to that group of colleagues and saying, do you mind if I join you for lunch? So there are lots of different instances um, where courage may be required in the workplace. Um, In the absence of courage, and this is based on the research by Brene, in the absence of courage, um, we don't don't speak about our feelings and fears um, because we're concerned about what people might do with that knowledge. Um, But in the absence of speaking about our feelings and fears, we actually find ourselves spending an inordinate amount of time managing bad performance. Um, we don't give feedback and what we find instead of speaking to people, we speak about them, which is totally unfair. Um, Trust is corroded. We don't innovate. 
because we're concerned about making mistakes and how that will be perceived. Uh, we get stuck in um, problem solving, which you may think, well, that's a good thing. But we do it at the expense of actually identifying the cause of the problem. And there's actually a quote out there by Einstein which goes something like, if I had 60 minutes to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes in problem identification and five minutes in solving it. Um, what else? In the absence of courage, um, we are, again, we're so concerned of doing or saying something wrong that we don't do anything. And I'm talking particularly around inclusion and diversity and equity. We're so concerned about saying the wrong thing, we don't say anything at all. And so we're actually, by our lack of action, we're being exclusive and we're not being diverse. Um, we look towards perfectionism and we know perfectionism is actually intricately tied to anxiety, which you mentioned earlier, and depression. So there's some of the things that happen in the absence of courage in the workplace. Are you um, watching what's happening with COVID? And I yesterday it's not up, um, available yet, but I interviewed Sandy. Do you know Sandy Hutchinson from Career Money Life? No. She's the former partner at Mercer, HR partner at Mercer, and she has an outplacement platform that is used by many large clients going through restructures. And she's forecasting uh, more restructures right. to come out. We already have way more restructures than we've ever had before. Um, the scale and the pace is much higher now during COVID, and she's forecasting more restructures to come. How would that affect, do you think, uh, courage in the workplace you would expect and want people to be more courageous because it's such a new um, reality that those new ideas and and um, conversations and problem solving are so important but also on the flip side of that people might be scared of raising their voice because they might lose their jobs absolutely and again it's about sitting with that vulnerability and one of the one of the big takeouts that I took from Brene's work was what's okay what's not okay and so having voice and actually being able to say this is okay and this isn't now tying that to your values if you come back to your values every time when you reach that fork in the road we know whatever the decision that needs to be made, do I go this way or do I go that way, is going to be an easier decision to make. I'm not saying it's going to be an easy decision, but it will be easier. So if we tap into our values and sit with the discomfort but know that that discomfort, that vulnerability, um, is actually a strength, we're more likely to speak up. We're more likely to give feedback, you know, on what the restructure um, or how the restructure might impact. Now, please don't get me wrong, I'm not saying any of this is easy. Yes. Um, and it is a privilege sometimes, isn't it? I mean, we speak from a place of privilege yes. where, you know, we, we lose our jobs in Australia, we have job seekers, yes. we have a, a safety net. Yes. Uh, my podcast is listened in many parts of the yes. world where that privilege doesn't exist. Yes. So it's very hard to speak up. Having said that, people do all the time. Yeah. It's amazing. And, you know, and so, and, and, so amazing. And again, I come back to... 
you know, uh, what I don't want people to walk away from today is, well, I'm just going to go out there and speak up. You know, I come back to intentional, stop, reflect. How worthwhile is it to speak up? What's the risk associated with speaking up? And then as a result, what will I do? And there's no magic answers there. There's no magic formula. But if we stop and think about it, we're more likely, again, to sit in courage. And remember, sometimes it takes courage to do nothing. The other thing to really remember is we're not on our own. You know, sometimes this is, um, and I, this is something that I tend to do, which I'm trying really hard not to. Another part, another myth around vulnerability is that, you know, I can go it alone. And I know that when I'm feeling my most vulnerable, I tend to shut people out. And that's probably the worst thing I can do because these are people who love me, who support me, who want me to succeed, who want to be there for me. We are neurobiologically wired to connect. And if we think we can go it alone, we're actually pushing against our own neurobiology. So, and I need to listen to myself when I say this and take my own advice. Connect with people who are going to give you strength. Connect with people who can even give you a perspective on those three questions. You know, um, who can you can have a conversation with? Is it worthwhile? What's the risk associated? And when I say connect with people, connect with people who aren't going to tell you just what you want to hear, but are actually who people who want you to succeed and so are going to be honest with you and give you a perspective that you find valuable. Yes. Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that. You know, I mean, this is the reason why I, I have so much free content out there. Is yeah. because, you know, for years I've been doing career coaching. I've been very lucky to always have a client um, working with me. Uh, now I have more because this is a big project for me now. But the amount of people that come to me and say, I love what you do, but this is not for me. You know, I, I, I can do this alone and... and or people that listen to what I have to say, but stay really quiet. They yeah. just sort of like a sponge. They're absorbing it at all, but they are, they, they really feel so, um, um, I don't know. It, there is a sense of um, shame of losing your job yes. and, and they do not want to open up. And there is no better person to open up than somebody who, all I want is for you to get another job really, really quickly. <laughs> Believe me, yeah. you know, it's good for my reputation. <laughs> if you get a job really quickly, that's all I want. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's really, um, it gives you permission to be vulnerable with somebody who wants the best for you, but not like uh, your best girlfriend yeah. or, or friend, you know, somebody that will have some tough love and, and yes. guidance yes. and to yeah. coach you in the right direction and, and give you all the best advice to, to get you on your way to your new career or your new job. Yeah. But some people are really reluctant to do that. They really, they cocoon themselves yeah. and they apply for jobs, um, as if they were a factory of job applications at home all alone. And they really missed um, a great opportunity, I think, to yeah. build their confidence, network, connect, get workshop ideas and, yeah. and get, get to a next job quicker. 
Yeah. There's a great par- there's a couple of paradoxes in Brene's research, and one of the paradoxes is um, I consider when you show vulnerability as a strength. Well, how fantastic for Renata to be vulnerable, and how strong is she, able, you know, to be able to do that? But then I consider vulnerability in me a weakness. Mm. So, you know, one of the things to think about is that, you know, when you have looked to other people and gone, wow, you know, how strong is she, he, for demonstrating that vulnerability to apply that to self as well? Yeah. That's a good point. Let's leave it at that. And, you know, the good thing about um, this platform is that if people, uh, what we discussed before in the workplace environment, you know, if people feel like they have uh, something that they are uncomfortable with and they want to unpack that in a private, safe environment, we have a private group. This podcast has a private group for members only and it's free. It's a, you know, you you sign up and there's some rules that you have to abide for. If you are not following the rules, you're kicked out. I've only kicked out two people so far, so it's it's okay. (laughs) And, um, and, you know, and um, you can ask away, you can share your concerns and there's lots of interesting people in there to answer and help you out so if you're listening here and you want to unpack a situation join the group Gina thank you so much thank you. for your thank time you. and your experience we lo- I loved having you here thank you for the opportunity I love speaking courage so I am very very grateful thank you Thank you for watching this episode of the Job Hunting Podcast. This interview with Dina was such an interesting one for me. You can see how quiet I am. I was uh, taking it all in and I learned so much from her. Please keep in touch. Visit my website and check my free tools and resources for job hunters, career changers and career enthusiasts, as well as the Job Hunting Made Simple online course and my private coaching and other services that I offer. Most importantly, don't forget to subscribe to the Reset Your Career, which is my community, so that I can send you my weekly newsletter and all the perks and resources that I give all my community members. Please also follow me on social media, mostly Facebook and Instagram, where I post daily to help professionals who are job searching and looking to revamp their professional careers. I hope we keep in touch and bye for now.